The world is going to hell in a handbasket. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. We're all infected. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. The whole world is burning down, my friend. been fucking bored yes <laughs> this, this last month or so yeah it's been a month and it's been awful because it's <laughs> not like like it's not like a vacation you know i don't i can't go anywhere because i'm not i don't have any money right and and like if they like open the government you know i have to be at work so it's not like i can go like down to florida right and it's just like it's basically me just sitting here in purgatory in my underwear playing <laughs> playstation yeah uh and I get you too. It can be, uh, you know, when I was unemployed this summer, it's like depressing too. Like you just oh, sit yeah. around, like, huh, life has no meaning. <laughs> yeah, technically, I am employed. I'm just furloughed. Right. Yeah. It's just, it's dumb. I hate it. I hate everyone. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, welcome back, finally, to the Everything's Just Fine podcast. This is Mike. This is Lincoln. And this is where we teach you guys about the past and tell you how thankful you should be to be alive today because. Used to be real shitty. And kind of boring. Yeah. Yeah, well, a lot of that. I mean, but, uh, when you weren't like dying from the plague or getting raided by Vikings. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, finally we we're, we're got got ourselves back on track here after the uh, holiday break. Uh, it took us a while to finally get a uh, full-length episode out there, but here we are. So, hooray for that. <laughs> yep. And our- uh, Lincoln has chosen our uh, topic today, which is going to be music. Yes, and I thought this was a good one just because uh, I, I've been thinking about it for a while, but I think we have to realize we're kind of spoilt for choice right now as far as, like, you know, music, just, you know, where you can get it, what you can listen to. Like, there's millions of genres, and you can consume it however you want. It's just, you know, you the most obscure types of trap music you can find on YouTube anytime you want. Yeah. So, but, like, it's not, I mean, obviously it hasn't always been like that, but, like, it it seems, uh, it's weird because it almost seems more lively in, in the ancient world, and then you, like, moved into the, like, medieval Europe period, and, like, I didn't really go, you'll see as we get there, I didn't really go into depth of all the, how different all these, like, quote-unquote styles of music were during that period, because they're basically just all, like, different forms of church music. <laughs> it's like you know here's the chanting one here's the one where we you know we hum in the background <laughs> and it's just like everybody in town's like uh <laughs> really use a little like drum or something in here yeah, maybe they weren't humming or chanting maybe they were all at the same time going <laughs> uh. <laughs> they're like oh are those monks like no those are people that are bored <laughs> <laughs> sounds like the halo soundtrack in here <laughs> What's Halo? <laughs> Witch, burn him! Yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that I mean, really, it's gonna we're gonna get into it. Like, you know, music was everywhere back then, same as today. Like, people sang, doing everything, you know, same as today. But the way people listen to it, and you know, and the instruments and things like that have changed quite a bit. So, right, but they used to have zunes back then. Yes, <laughs> LimeWire. <laughs> Using LimeWire to download LimeWire Pro. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, and getting into the earliest instruments, you know, I'm not going to go into too much, but like the Paleolithic area, we're talking about using instruments like, uh, or using things like uh, boned to make flutes. Uh, actually, it's like, a, I, I want to say it was like, 
Ooh, 40,000-year-old uh, flute made from a bear bone was found in a cave in Europe uh, back in the 90s, and I think it's like one of the oldest instruments ever discovered. Um, and just theory of how music evolved, they say drums were probably one of the earliest instruments as well. That makes sense. Yeah, they're just real simple. Just like stretch animal skin over like a, a bowl. There you go. Right. Good to go. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously things evolved as time went on, but really for some instruments, specifically like the drum and the flute, not a lot's changed. Um, but Yeah, I mean, well, drum is basically something you hit. Yeah. And uh, today it is still something that you hit. Yeah, but I mean... Uh, you know, not you can't really visualize it, but I'm. We'll put. I'll put some links to some YouTube videos in the sources, but uh, like some of the recreations of these, uh, specifically Greek and Roman instruments, like are f- kind of fucking weird. And we'll get into it though. <laughs> like you just look, okay. So you, yeah, you'll. We'll, I'll, we'll talk about it. All right. But yeah, like you know, as I mentioned, music is integral for most cultures all over the world, all the time. Uh, Greek Greeks and Romans sang and played. Music at marriages, funerals, religious ceremonies, theaters, bars, and they had uh, the <laughs> regular public performances of epic poetry. And the medieval world was kind of similar, just you know, different styles and probably a uh, quite a bit less uh, variety. Um, it was less epic poetry and more slam poetry. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> so that's why the medieval times or uh, era sucks so much. It's just a bunch of like beat poets. <laughs> uh, everything's lame. <laughs> uh, the Asian Arabic world's not that much different. Uh, interestingly enough, we'll get into it, but China, like, I listen to some recreations. Like, they're, once again, they kind of stand out because there's a lot of, like, of their examples of music have survived, like, the writings, how to play it, the instruments used, things like that. So you can kind of listen to it how it would have exactly been, where, like, Roman and Greeks music's like a recreation like best guess um but i didn't know this but in chinese music uh the the music was developed but dance was considered just as an important part of the piece as the actual instruments so the dance and the music was like developed hand in hand ah okay um and then you know we'll get it like i just kind of it's it's interesting arabic music kind of interesting like it was performed by women mostly uh, this was before Islam, I mean, like Zoroastrian period. Um, but there were like some poetry readings backed by a choir. And then Islamic scholars added a lot to musical theory. And, uh, you know, belly dancing came from the Islamic world in the medieval period. Uh, but, yeah, music's remained the same. Folk songs of the ancient world aren't much different than those of, like, early America or even, like, kind of, you know, things like if you uh, can, like think of, like, bluegrass music. Kind of the same. And we'll get into some of those old tavern songs I was able to find. Cool. So yeah. All right. Well, let's do it. Let's dive right in. Yeah. To the world of historical music. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. We're gonna be talking about the greatest hits of the seventies, eighties, and nineties, <laughs> and by that we mean seventy A.D. through ninety <laughs> A.D. Yes. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, start. I'll well, start where uh, we usually start: ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Uh, <laughs> I didn't know this. The world, the word music comes from the muses, the daughters of Zeus and the goddesses of creativity. Ah, so there you go. <laughs> um, and you know, we do, like I mentioned, we do know the lyrics and instruments associated with Greek and Roman music, just do because they're depicted everywhere on art and homes, tombs, and pottery. Like if you look up pictures of the house, the villa of mysteries in Pompeii, it like it's really well preserved from the eruption and the art on the walls. Like it's just like a, a full band with all these different instruments. 
So we know what they look like and we, you know, there's enough evidence of how they were made that we know what they sound like. The problem is there's very few surviving pieces of music composed from that period. I think it, for Greek there's like literally five, like five pieces of music kind of poorly preserved. So it's a, it's a lot of guesswork. Um, okay. Like, and I think they recently f- discovered like they didn't play it in the same tempo we play modern music in. And if you listen to some of these recreations, it sounds off to a modern ear. Like it would have been fine to them, but to me, it sounded like it's like too high or the pit. You know, it's too fat. It's it's weird. <laughs> You're fucking it up. You're fu- yeah, <laughs> man. <laughs> you guys sucked at everything. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, and th- I mean, this was a quote. I got this from uh, a blog from, it's called blogs.getty.edu, talking about ancient music, but, uh, quote, according to Greek myth, the first lyre was made by the god Hermes from a tortoise shell, as well as the horns and hide of an ox stolen from his brother Apollo. This lyre had a sounding box made from the shell of a European tortoise, once plentiful in Europe, and wooden arms, end quote. Once plentiful. Hmm. They went extinct because people were making, like, fucking mass Making drums out of it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just like the ancient equivalent of the uh, guitar store filled with like tortoise shells. <laughs> uh, yeah, but you know those are pretty easy to recreate. Like the you know you just look at it, it's a string instrument. The flutes are the kind of the unique ones. Uh, there's this one I saw. It's actually my favorite just because how kind of ridiculous it is. Called the alos, but it's a reed instrument like a flute, except they played two at once. And the guy playing it, or the woman, had to wear a tight leather wrap around your whole head. It like it like held your cheeks tightly. I guess it was like to keep you from getting fatigued from playing it because you're basically just like <laughs> rocking out, like blowing the shit out of these two pipes for you know as long as you need to. And these things are long. Like you know, you think of a modern like flute. You're you know you're thinking something from you know like a recorder. Now this thing's probably like two two and a half feet long each of them. Yeah, there's a scene in um, 300 where they're marching yeah. to the uh, yeah. it's, the gates. What are they called? The hard gates? Oh, the hot gates. Yeah, yeah. and there's a guy. Um, he's sta- he's kind of like marching behind them, and he's he's like playing two flutes at the same time. Yeah, but he I don't think he had the leather like BDSM no, he didn't have the, the face thing. But yeah. maybe I don't know. Maybe they looked it up and they're like, that looks ridiculous. We're not doing that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> like it's basically the gimp from Pulp Fiction with a, a flute. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was considered like the principal woodwind of classical antiquity. It was played, you know, Greece, Rome, all across the Mediterranean. It was a pretty huh. uh, important instrument. Interesting. Um, and I mentioned either like the modern ears, the music sounds off, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, it's weird. You know, you think it's almost universal because you listen to music across the world now, and it all has like a similar tempo not beats but like it's just hard to explain and like you listen to some examples i think you'll get it um okay and then did you know this about the epic poems about them they were often sang no i thought they were uh, just read out loud as stories no i mean i had known they were like like performed out loud like and and uh sang basically by traveling bards uh but i did not know and specifically the Iliad and the Odyssey, what I'm talking about, Homer. Um, but um, if you like, even if you pick up a modern copy, like the most recent English translation of one of these, and read it, just look for the repetition repetition of language. Uh, and apparently, this was done because when they they didn't write these down a lot of times, it was like memorized. 
and it was this iteration which helped to help the ancient musicians or bards to remember their lines. Uh, like one you'll see a lot in uh, the Iliad is the the line the the wine dark sea, and they use that over and over to describe like the sea, um, and it just you know it's interesting because they memorized these things, traveled around, sang them, and then eventually probably who knows Homer maybe was the first one that wrote them down. Um, you know who who knows how long they've been performed up to that point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, been a lot of changes in instruments. Um, specifically talking about some ancient Roman instruments, but they had a. I want to say the modern equivalent to a trumpet, like used in military procedures, but it was more like a tuba. If you imagine how a tuba looks, like big and it's it's like a circle. What the? I don't even know how to fucking describe it. You know what a tuba is. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but they use it more like a trumpet, like marching. It had a, like a conical mouthpiece, um, but it was basically. I've got some. I've got some recreated uh, Roman music on here as well. Put the sources. It shows like a uh, some reenactors marching to this thing, and it's it's not intimidating. It's just it's you know typical trumpet like. <laughs> it's like you know not deep or anything. Um, they had another brass instrument called a cornea. It was it was similar to a French horn in sound, maybe not like look, looked like the letter G. Um, oh, okay. And they did have something called the uh, like a bagpipe, uh, the ascules, but I, that's still used, I think, in Eastern Europe. It's like the Eastern European bagpipe. Okay. And it's not it's there's you know there's subtle differences, but not a huge amount. But they had some, like I mentioned, they had string instruments like the lyre. They had one called the chitharia. They had the lute and the harp. The chitharia actually actually replaced the lyre in Rome. Um, it was just I don't know why it sounded similar from to my ears at least. It was bigger. Maybe it was just look cooler. I don't know. <laughs> it's like when the the multiple string guitar replaced like the standard electric guitar, right? Um, so, and then they had something like a mandolin. They had like a lute. Um, it was a str- string stretched over a fretboard, and it, they played it kind of like a, almost like a violin. Didn't have it, okay. it didn't have very many strings, so I think it had maybe two or three. Um, and they had things that looked like large and small harps, and they had bells, tambourines, rattles, uh, drums, um, and they had some more elaborate musical instruments that there's really no equivalent to. In the modern world, uh, the hydralis was one. It was basically a, a pipe organ powered by water pressure. That's cool. And I couldn't find an example of what it looked like or how, what it sounded like. And so, you know, good luck. Use your imagination. <laughs> um, and also, a note here, Roman music was monophonic. Uh, cons- monophonic. Monophonic. Consisting of single melodies and was not harmonic. Well, it could be, but it wasn't required. Like, songs did not have to be harmonic to be considered, like, good music. Okay. So just, like, I could have been a great musician. Just, like, a guy with, like, the drum and the cymbals with the thing on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, what's-his-face from Mary Poppins? Oh, yeah. Um, and we do specifically know, I mean, obviously they did, because the Romans spent a ton of time in taverns, bars. They had tavern songs, just none of them survived. Um, but we do have 
examples of like soldiers marching songs, which kind of can uh, share some similarities. Um, I, I mentioned this in the past, but like uh, during Caesar's triumph in Rome, like it was like discipline was relaxed among the troops, and the troops were allowed to sing whatever they wanted. And one of the, well, two of them. I'll, I'll read two of them. But uh, <laughs> they're all just marching, and they're like, "It's Friday, Friday, <laughs> yeah. fun, fun, fun." <laughs> uh, but uh, the first one is a quote, and I'll well here, I'll I'll read it and how it's quoted, and then I'll kind of explain it. Okay. Uh, quote: All the Gauls did Caesar vanquish. Nicomedes vanquished him. Lo, now Caesar rides in triumph, victor over all the Gauls. Nicomedes does not triumph who subdued the conqueror, end quote. Basically, that one's like saying, yeah, Caesar conquered Rome, but Nicodemus conquered Caesar because uh, when um, Caesar was a young guy, like 20, he went, uh, as part of his like political career, he went east and spent some time in the uh, court of like an eastern king named Nicomedes. I can't remember exactly where it was, but I think it was Asia Minor. Um, and uh, they became lovers. And which wasn't, I mean, it wasn't like Greece where like homosexuality was just accepted across the board. Like it was kind of frowned upon in Rome, but it wasn't like, you know, it would it wasn't like a career-ending thing. It was just kind of like you know, looked at, look your nose, look down your nose at it. Okay. But the 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Scandal. The scandal here was that the rumor was that Nicomedes was the top, and Caesar was the bottom. Ah. which made Caesar feminine in the relationship, which was not okay. And, like, that rumor dogged him his whole life. Like, you know, it probably was true, and, and but they said it was, like, one of the few things you could bring up. Because he was a pretty chill dude, like, all things considered, but they said bringing that up in his presence was, like, one of the few things that guaranteed to piss him off. He <laughs> just cuts your head off. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, in, like, parties and shit, like, people would bring it up, like, his political opponents would bring it up, and he'd, get, he'd just get pissed, kind of like, I don't know, when Hillary said, you know, Trump was a Russian puppet, and he just went, no, you're the puppet. You're the puppet. <laughs> you're the bottom. Right. I didn't fuck Nicomedes. <laughs> yeah. What are you well, talking about, Donald? <laughs> and he, like, just runs away. No, no, it's okay if you fucked him. Getting fucked, though, was the, no. Oh, yes. <laughs> I did all the fucking, um, like I said, it was, like, it wasn't illegal. It was illegal in the Roman army. Like I said, people were killed before, for, uh, for being homosexual. But in like everyday life, wasn't a, wasn't that big of a deal. Um, and here's another one that I like this one. Uh, quote: Men of Rome, keep close to your concerts. Here's a bold adulterer, golden gall you spend in dalliance, which you borrowed here in Rome. End quote. Uh, that's two parter basically. Like basically, Caesar was known for sleeping with everybody, wives, daughters. Of his friends, his enemies, you know, other politicians. <laughs> so they're basically saying, like, lock up your Livestock, daughters. furniture. <laughs> well, the soldiers here are, like, saying, lock up your daughters, lock up your wives. Caesar's back in town. <laughs> and then uh, Golden Gaul. Used to- hide, hide your wife, hide your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Caesar's in town fucking everybody up in here. Yep. And then the Golden Gaul, you spend in Dallas, just basically, like, he, sp- he borrowed a ton of money from Rome to basically handle his Gallic conquest. And they're basically mm. saying, you know, we brought it back. We, you know, he spent it all, but he brought it all back in spade. Um, so yeah, the way they're translated, they're not dirty, but just we know the Romans were a vulgar people. Um, just based on like uh, 
the graffiti found at Pompeii, or uh, they've recovered uh, slingshot um, bullets from a uh, siege uh, during the the war after Caesar died between uh, uh, Antony and Augustus. Okay. Um, Antony's army was flinging stones into the city where Mark Antony and his wife were holed up, and it like it's just like peop- they wrote on them or scrawled on them like you know suck my dick Antony like I'm coming for <laughs> I'm coming for your wife and kind of like what we you know soldiers do today like riding on bombs and shit. Yeah. So what I'm saying is in a lot of their. Uh, a lot of the stuff like that and a lot of the graffiti is just obsessed with dicks. So, <laughs> so like us. Nothing has changed. Nope, not at all. Um, I'm going to go ahead and introduce this, Mike, but I'll let you read this. You don't have to read the whole thing. And this was a very small part of it. I just kind of cut like maybe a quarter, not even a quarter. This is probably like a tenth of what was there. Um, but the Romans also had a type of music or poetry called the Vecinia Verses. Uh, okay. Named after the city of uh, Vicenia, which was an ancient uh, Etruscan city. Okay. And it was basically, these were specifically performed at weddings or religious ceremonies. And the examples here uh, still survive. They come from a, uh, a uh, translated text that I found at, uh, from tufts.edu. Um, if you, I'd say probably the first verse is fine. I won't go, I won't read the uh, I'll see if I. I'll see if I can do it. <laughs> I don't know what kind uh, of accent you want to go with. How, uh, how, uh, how do I pronounce the the long one that starts with H? Haminus. Uh, Haminus. Okay, yeah. I can do it. <clears throat> of Helicon Hill, O thou that be, hunter, Uranius progeny, who hurriest soft virginity, to man, O Hymius Hymen, O Hymen Hymius, about thy temples bind the bloom, of majorum flowerous scented sweet. Take flamy veil, glad hither come, come hither borne by snow-hued feet, wearing the saffron sock. <laughs> yeah, a lot going on there. It's basically about like, uh, damn, getting your virginity taken, and like giving it gladly. Um, and I think the saffron sock is a reference to birth control. Kind of like Interesting. A, a Jimmy, a Jimmy hat. They probably just put saffron in an actual like sweat sock, and that was their condom well, back then. Interestingly enough, there was a plant. That existed in that in that region. It was around the Mediterranean. That would reliably um, stop births. I don't know if it caused bir- abortions or just stopped women from menstruating. But it, it oh, would, right, it was the uh, the reticulated flowering coat hanger bush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, anyways, it was it was a plant that did that, and the Romans used were fucking so much. It, they basically that plant's now extinct. That is hilarious. Yep. That's very short sighted. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there you go. That's just one verse of this extremely long song or poem that would have. You been know, as that was running out, that plant, then you had a couple of you know Elaine Bennises in there who were like, mm, "Is he plant worthy?" Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's just going on the black market. Just. <laughs> and then there's probably like people faking it, like they just have like grass clippings and be like, "Here, this is totally it." And that guy ends up with like ninety kids, kind of. Like selling a bag of oregano to a middle schooler, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you that went on. Guaranteed. <laughs> they were bagging up like grass clippings and fucking weeds. Man, that was so hard to read. I mean, Latin's a notoriously difficult language to speak. Yeah. So, I, it, yeah, because when you read like direct translations like that, it's like, like what the who the fuck talks like this? Right. <laughs> 
goddamn Romans are a bunch of nerds. All right, well, I apologize, but we have to move on from Rome, Lincoln. Well, I'll allow it. Because actually, you're like, you know what? I quit. Yeah. Well, actually, I really like this the Chinese stuff too. It's just. It's yeah, cool. I'm glad that, uh, like you mentioned in our last full length episode, we've been kind of diving into, you know, making an effort to dive into ancient China a bit more because yeah. it's really cool. And I, I wanted to get into Africa too, but I kind of ran out of time. But you know, obviously, there's music there that. Has, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, but well, you know, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're. I'm trying. We're both of us are making an effort to be less Western in our. Uh, our basically our podcast overall right well let's move on to china then sure <laughs> you don't don't get too excited about no, it. no no i actually am because it, it honestly kind of blew my mind and we'll get into it but it's it's theorized that ancient chinese music sounds pretty much the same as like modern chinese folk music and if you've ever li- watched like a kung fu movie you know what i'm talking about like that string right like, bwah. Um, yeah. The instruments have and There's not, like a lot of space in between the plucks. Yes. Boing, it's very, boing, boing, very boing. deliberate. Very, uh, it's, yeah. The, and I'll get into it, but they, it was discipline. Mo- like yeah. most things in China. But uh, <laughs> the instruments haven't like changed that much, if at all. Um, as I mentioned before, they wrote the dance and the music at the same time since they were meant to be done together. Uh, right. But like ancient Chinese philosophers like Confucius considered music like integral to being like a well-rounded individual, uh, kind of like the Romans considered like you had to study philosophy and uh, oratory. Um, the Chinese is like you have to study – music's a part of that. Um, but it, it was only – basically it was good but only good if you performed it with like the utmost skill and discipline. Like it, it wasn't good for you to be like a shitty musician, like a guy living in a garage – banging on a guitar once or twice a week like you, <laughs> right. you had an be, old flannel shirt and jeans with holes in them yeah you had to be good at it like you couldn't be the ancient chinese equivalent of a guy that only knows how to play smoke on the water <laughs> um and then uh oddly enough i found another story about the music and philosophy but there was different types of music like popular music and then like court music um more lyrical than actual like the instruments were the same, but the lyrics would have been different, and maybe the tempo. But a, a another philosopher named Mencius uh, once was asked by an emperor about, you know, what kind of music is it okay as an emperor to enjoy? And he told the emperor that it didn't matter what type of music that he enjoyed as long as he loved his people. You but know? also polka. Yes. <laughs> Polka's <laughs> the only answer. <laughs> uh, but, you know, taking it to the ancient Chinese max, they even had an imperial music bureau who decided what folk songs would be recognized and determined what the official court and military music would be. So, like, the military would only march or play official military tunes, and the the court, like, the royal court would only play tunes that the Imperial Music Bureau determined were, you know, worthy. Okay. Right? Just, you know, nowadays there's, like, maybe some speakers at the White House, and that's all determined by whoever, whatever intern has access to Spotify that day. <laughs> Yeah, so I thought that, I mean, just, the, you know, that whole thing about, that, as we do this show, I'm learning more and more about China, and it's super interesting to me, just the the discipline that they put in, like, everything. Like, you see, I mean, in Rome, and Rome had discipline as well, but it was more of a militaristic discipline. This was right. an interpersonal, like, day-to-day discipline. It's so, like social discipline. Yes, which is, you know, I something about it is attractive to me. I like that. Um but, like, honestly, I'm going to put in uh, a link in the article so you can listen to, like, it's got different 
uh, examples of music from around the ancient world, but the one of them is China, and listen to it, and it like it sounds exactly like a modern example of Chinese mu uh, music. And the 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 piece they use is an actual written piece from 1000 BCE, and it sounds fucking like exactly what you think a modern Chinese song would sound like. You know, not like a pop song, but like you know what I mean, like a, right, fo a yeah. Chinese folk song. It it's like insane. That <laughs> level of continuity. It's just it blew it blew my mind. Huh. Um, and then it, it, the 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 video that'll be in that article too will also have an example of that music being played with the dance. Um, oh so, yeah, the I've seen the dance. So the dance is awesome. Yeah, it's very you know that slow with the but deliberate, in, completely in sync across however many dancers there are. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's really neat. And yeah, it's it's just the contrast between cultures is really really interesting to me. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's, I mean, China, you know, and a lot of what we talked here, you know, would have spread into the K Korea, Japan differences, you know, uh, of a sort, not a lot, though, um, up until a more modern era. Um, but this one was interesting to me was the Arabic world, because I had heard something about uh, music was, like, not allowed for long period, alternate periods of, like, Islamic history due to whoever was ruling at the time considered it bad. Um, so I was like, oh, I probably won't find a lot here. But there actually was quite a bit, you know, something interesting, or a lot of interesting stuff. And like I said, I don't want to go into a ton of, I mean, you could spend days on just the theory of, like, a 20-year period of music, you know. And I didn't want to get too in-depth about it because it's very, it's all pretty much all technical. It's about, you know, theory, tone, notes, things like that. Right. But just the general history of it, it's interesting. Um, I'm going to read this quote here. I got, well, I'll let you read it. I'm been okay, a lot sure. talking, but it's from classical classicalarabicmusic.com. Quote: Music at that time played an important role in cultivating the mystique of exorcists and magicians. It was believed that jinns revealed poems to poets and musics to and music to musicians. The choir at the time served as a pedagogic facility where the educated poets would recite their poems. Singing was not thought to be the work of these intellectuals and was instead entrusted to women with beautiful voices, i.e. Al-Kashana, uh, who would learn how to play some instruments used at the time, i.e. lute, drum, wad, I think that's how you pronounce yeah. that, uh, rebab, etc., and then perform the songs while respecting the poetic meter. Yes, and this, End quote. specifically this is pre-Islamic history, so this has been like the ancient to um, ancient Arabic world, um, and when it mentioned that, it said that the choir served as like a pedagogic facility. Basically, that's a, a way of learning just through repetition, through singing. Um, and you see that today in the Islamic world with the like the learning of the Quran. They do a lot of chanting of certain ver verses for memorization. It's kind of like a it's passed on from the, you know pre-Islamic history, and it's not unique to the Arabic world. It's just you know probably one of the few surviving things, or one of the. F Few things like that that survives from the ancient world still being used today. Gotcha. Um, <clears throat> and there's an, this other quote here. I, do you want to read it? Or you want me to read it? I can read this one too. Yeah. Before I you read, before you do though, it's just interesting because it, to me at least, you know, to my, I just never viewed the Arabic world as like a, a sin. I I know they were like huge on like the history of mathematics, philosophy. You know, they invented so many things. They're basically like the learning and invention center of the world during the you know the European Dark Ages. Um, a lot of great stuff came out of there, but I just never thought of music as one of those things. 
and I was completely wrong about that. Hmm. Um, like the whole, like the, yeah, you, I'll let you read this and it, it, just to give people an idea. Okay. Quote, Al-Kindi, 801 through 873 AD, was the first great theoretician of Arabic music. He proposed adding a fifth string to the Oud and discussed the cosmological connotations of music. He surpassed the achievement of the Greek musicians using the alphabetical annotation for one-eighth. He published 15 treatises on music theory, but only five have survived. In one of his uh, treaties, the word musica was used for the first time in Arabic, which today means music in Arabic, Persian, Turkish, English, and several other languages in the Islamic world. End quote. Yeah, uh, and that oid is a, basically, I'm sure people have seen it. It's like a, a, a guitar, an Arabic guitar. It's kind of pear-shaped. And uh, it's got oh, it's yeah. strange. Yeah. So I'll put a link in the uh, in the uh, sources so you can have a look at it. But yeah, I mean, you can see here they were debating musical theory in the Arabic world at this point, which is super interesting to me. Um, but like, I, I, this was true as well at different points and places in Arabic history. Music, specifically music with instruments, kind of like it reminded me too of their uh, pro- prohibition of like drawing religious figures in Arabic art. So if right. you go to like a, a mosque. Uh, specific, specifically, if you look at like pictures of the interior of the Hagia Sophia in Istanbul, like they have these huge banners, and their art is just like stylized Arabic writing. Um, and this kind of reminded me of that. Like there was music was allowed, but n- no instruments. It was considered haram to play music with instruments at, during certain periods. It, it waxed and waned. Um, so y- hearing music in the Arabic world wouldn't have been common. However, you know, life finds a way. Uh, the call to prayer you know everybody's familiar with it um, became more melodic and poetic and took on the quality of music before from what I understand for a long time the call to prayer was basically just like that exactly like time to pray Um, and then it it evolved into like what it is today you know that kind of it can be very beautiful actually Um, and this was kind of repeated in a way in medieval Christendom by uh, the tradition of certain chantings like Gregorian chanting where instruments were either not allowed or just not available um and so you develop you get these vocal singing things that are in some ways more impressive than the actual instrumentation of music hmm. like i love gregorian chanting i think it's awesome yeah though i can't if it's all you had to listen to it would probably get pretty boring pretty quick right <laughs> um yeah welcome the- to the gregorian chanting uh, i'm just imagining it that being like a, a radio station yeah. all chanting all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> just get to work and your eyes are bleeding. <laughs> it, was, it was in Latin. I don't know. <laughs> I think that I think I'm possessed by the devil now. <laughs> um, yeah, and then I mentioned the belly dance earlier, but it was well known and it became well known in the Arabic world around the ninth century. Um, but it probably existed in some form in the ancient world, since Roman writers mentioned some Eastern dancing similar to it. It probably came from like the per- Persians and was translated into the Arabic world. Um, but it, it was mostly used in folk music as the dancing would match the beat of the music. Even if you, even modern belly dancers, the same thing. It's, and they can even wear like dresses that are like an instrument of themselves. So gotcha. Yeah. So like I said, like people view it as like a repressed place, but that's really not true. Like maybe you mean the, the Arabic world? Yeah. Maybe modern, certain modern places in the Arabic world are for sure. But historically not at all. Yeah. So now, God. all right, well, Onto the long Let's, one. 
<laughs> yep, let's move on to um, medieval and the Renaissance and early modern. Yeah, and this is like this is when we started like around this time is when records started surviving, and we have a lot of examples of music. Um, you know, I said Chinese, but specifically, you know, our our bias is shown against specifically European music. Um, but honestly, from what I was able to find, the music in Europe basically carried on similar to Rome's for quite a while. You know, they maybe refined some instruments or invented a, a few new ones, but nothing major. But instead of being these songs that were everywhere of different varieties, you know, it basically came down to, like, religious music was the only game in town. But yeah. they still used Latin for the lyrics. That was basically that what held on from Rome. And they did that regardless of the language spoken in the area. So, like, Germany, Latin music, you know, France, Latin music, Italy, Latin music, fucking everywhere, Latin music. <laughs> 24-7, Latin music all the time. <laughs> W-L-A-T. Yeah, not a lot of choice. Um, and this was a repressed period anyway, so you probably weren't, you probably didn't have like people out in public singing like body songs because it was probably dangerous. Right, I just imagine some guy just breaks into song and then <laughs> someone just comes up behind him and decapitates him. My neck, my back. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. And this, one of those things I didn't even think of, but like a way of marking rhythm on sheet music, like was not invented until the 13th century. So music before that, we like I mentioned, we have literally no idea how it was played or sang. We don't have any idea what the rhythm was. It's just sheet notes of like, here's the musical notes, figure out the rhythm, you know, good luck. Maybe that's why it sounded off, like you said. Well, no, here's the thing, because when they, like, they've played them as like modern compositions... Like how they would have sound to you know if we were playing them today, and they sound fine. But recently they made some, a discovery, and I think it might have been, you know, this might be out of date now, but it might have been a way of marking rhythm that they just from Greece, I think, it, or it may not. It still may be up in the air if that's actually what it was. But playing it like this rhythm notation sounds, it sounds off. Huh. So, you know. It's it's like it's honestly it's really kind of new this whole recreation of ancient music like mid nineties when it really kind of took off. So it's it's like I said historically really new. They're still figuring it out. Okay. And then the invention of the printing press, you know, kind of messed up. Well, messed up everything, you know, or made things better depending on your outlook. Um, but it, it allowed for the spread of music and musical theory, and it just basically it helped transition Europe into the Renaissance age. Not just as a intellectual uh, transition, but it was like a musical one as well. Um, and it, there was an explosion like musical theory, expression, different instruments, performances. People were sharing shit back and forth. You know, imagine like a really slow uh, proto, just really slow, like sharing music on your Twitter timeline. <laughs> <laughs> like somebody in a village would invent something new. It would eventually, you know. After a couple of decades, it spread its way through the country. <laughs> it spread its way three houses down, pretty much. <laughs> and there'd be some refinement, and then it spread back, and it bounced around like that for you know a couple hundred years. But now they can print off these songs and notes, and they go everywhere. Yeah. So yeah, it was a it was a you know, I'm assuming an exciting time for people that wanted to hear something else besides Gregorian chanting and Latin church music. <laughs> Like, God, give us fucking anything. Do you want me to read this quote? Uh, yeah. 
and this is actually from the Wikipedia article on Renaissance music. I thought it was good. It just gives you a good general over, uh, overview of this whole setting. All right, cool. Quote, Music was increasingly freed from medieval constraints, and more variety was permitted in range, rhythm, harmony, form, and notation. On the other hand, rules of counterpoint became more constrained, particularly with regard to treatment of dissonances. In the Renaissance, music became a vehicle for personal expression. Composers found ways to make vocal music more expressive of the text they were setting. Secular music, or non-religious music, absorbed techniques from sacred music and vice versa. Popular secular forms such as the chanson and the madrigal spread throughout Europe. Courts employed virtuoso performers, both singers and instrumentalists. Music also became more self-sufficient with its availability in printed form, existing for its own sake. Precursor versions of many familiar modern instruments, including the violin, guitar, lute, and keyboard instruments, developed into new forms during the Renaissance. These instruments were modified to responding to the evolution of musical ideas, and they presented new possibilities for composers and musicians to explore. Early forms of modern woodwind and brass instruments like the bassoon and trombone also appeared, extending the range of sonic color and increasing the sound of instrumental ensembles. During the 15th century, the sound of full triads, or three-note chords, became common, and toward the end of the 16th century, the system of church modes began to break down entirely, giving way to the functional tonality, or the system in which songs and pieces are based on musical keys, which would dominate Western art music for the next three centuries. End quote. Long-ass quote. Yeah. Well, th that last part's important. Like, it says it, it broke down the functional tonality, um, or it gave way to functional tonality, because before that, like there were no keys it was just almost like a, a memorization of it's hard to describe from the readings but it was basically like the singers or the chanters were reacting to each other in real time and changing the flow of the song in real time so there was no like, like jazz yeah but like you know <laughs> there's like one guy with a really high-pitched voice in the choir so everyone would go higher that kind of ah. thing there was no set key or tone they were they were going for you know, there was something they were shooting for, for sure, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't set in stone. Gotcha. So, and like I mentioned, this is the first period when a lot of these examples survive, at least in Europe. Um, but this Renaissance period of music was followed by the Baroque period, uh, which went from 1600 to 1750 uh, CE. And this is the one, I think, the first one people would be familiar with. Uh, this is when you had composers like Bach and Vivaldi. Um, and this quote's also from the Baroque music article. Uh, quote, The Baroque period saw the creation of common practice tonality, an approach to writing music in which a song or piece is written in a particular key. This kind of arrangement has continued to be used in almost all Western popular music. End quote. So this was huge. Like it mentioned yeah. earlier, like before this, like I mentioned, the songs would just sound like, who, you know, whoever was playing it or singing that day would sound completely different. Which, you know, since there wasn't a lot of choice, maybe it was a good thing. Yeah. Like like uh, cover bands. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, People are like, what's it going to sound like this time? Uh, man, it's probably going to suck. Always sucks, but <laughs> suck in a new and interesting way. Uh, yeah, but it took until the 17th century for music to perform, be performed in one key per piece. So even up, even, like, it just blows my mind. 1600 was just, okay, we're going to make all the music I want. You know, I'm going to, I'm writing a song. I wanted to sound like this, and everyone's all right. It just took you know that however fucking long to agree on that, right? Um, 
The Baroque was followed by the Classical Era, which was a 1730-1820 CE. And, quote, classical music has a lighter, clearer texture than Baroque music and is less complex. It is mainly homophonic, using a clear melody line over a subordinate chordal accompaniment, end quote. So does that mean it's uh, against gay marriage? Yes. A homo- homophonic. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> the Mike Pence of uh, music periods. <laughs> Um, yeah, th- this was the time, too, that the harpsichord was replaced <coughs> by the piano, um, and Mozart and Beethoven were from this period. Um, you know, have you heard of harps- harpsichord? Yeah, I think so. Okay, it looks like a piano, but it's very... Uh, it's tiny, isn't it? Eh, no, they can be pretty big, but the sound of it's, like, uh, very stringy. Like, it sounds more like a string instrument than the piano ever would. It, it, isn't it, like... Yes. Okay. So, a lot, you know, and I know there's a type of musical purist just a super insufferable person i imagine being around who like i i have read about these people they insist on listening to music written during this period only if it's performed with a harpsichord instead of a piano okay like uh you know the moonlight sonata by beethoven yeah sounds fucking awesome on a piano on a harpsichord kind of weird (laughs) <laughs> but people you know pierce like you know and eh, actually that is how so they're like history perform. hipsters yes <laughs> so yeah it's it and the harps i mean it's a it's a it's a cool instrument for sure but the pianos definitely sounds a lot better yeah uh after this you had the romantic period from 1780 to 1910 ce uh basically quote in the romantic period music became more explicitly expressive and programmatic dealing with the literary, literary, artistic, and philo- philosophical themes of the time, end quote. Uh, this is this period you had the composers such as Strauss and Tchaikovsky. Um, Tchaikovsky. Sure, whatever. <laughs> but when, it, I think a good one to bring up for this, too, when they talk about like dealing with literary, artistic, and philosophical themes, like think of Wagner, like the Flight of the Valkyries or the, you know, yeah. the Twilight of the Gods, like dealing with... They, it was instead of just... Comp- music conveying a an emotion or a a tone it was conveying a grand idea gotcha um, strauss uh or you know, gustav holtz uh the planets is a good example of this was from this time period hmm. um just these sweeping and i'm not saying it's better than classical you know in a lot of ways it's a shallower in a way i'd say um but it definitely was dramatic for sure yeah um and, you know, we mentioned earlier, too, you know, beyond the types of music that rich people would go to watch and then sniff their own farts, uh, we do have some popular tunes from this period that survive. Uh, and this was interesting. I, I want to get a copy of this book because I could only find excerpts. Um, but it's called the Carmina Barona, and it's a collection of poems and texts creating, created in Germany during the first half of the 13th century. But it's a, from what I read, it's a collection of songs from around 400 years before that. So from like 900 CE to about you know 1300 CE or 1400 CE to uh, this would have been like a collection of just tons of poems, but it also had like tavern songs. Um, and uh, I'll let you, I'll go ahead and let you read this. It's a translated. Cool. It's a translated <laughs> one. Um, oh man, I don't know. This was from like the continent, so 
Maybe do a German. I don't want to tell you what kind of accent. You, you go nuts, Mike. Just do whatever. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Try <laughs> I was gonna. It. I was gonna do English because that's. Well, the next one will be English for sure. The one after okay. that, that, that I've got. Uh, I'll see what I, I could do. My kind of funny. <laughs> ah, <laughs> German accent. Oh yeah. In the boozer, you're a loser. If the dice you're shaking, you'll get hurt and you'll lose your shirt. You'll sit there cold and quaking. Lady Luck, your gifts are bad. You trick us, then you make us mad. Make us gamble, make us fight, and sit out the cold all night. Birds, the naked loser moans when he's cold and left alone. Shakes and shivers as he groans. I wish I could be asleep under a tree with hot sunshine warming my bones. But now roll the dice again and win some drinking money. Who thinks about November's rain while it's still warm and sunny i get knocked down so i get up again <laughs> Unt, you're never gonna keep me down <laughs> uh, i think we said it before in the show but there's two types of german accents that one and then and then the terrifying one right uh, yeah uh, i mentioned that book i got that actually the the excerpts from medievalist.net and then uh bailage uh chaneus.org um and it actually has printed ex like a scanned page from the book in there Oh, cool. Yeah, so there's a lot more in that link. Like, a lot more songs, but this one was my favorite. Um, it's, there's something modern about it, to my, like, reading it. Uh, you'll see an example in there, too. From I don't know if it was an earlier one. It didn't have the date of these, but uh, one of the songs in there has a reference. Like, the whole thing's about the god, Roman god Bacchus, who was, like, the god of agriculture and wine. And it just blows my mind, like, in this time period in, in Europe, they were singing songs about pagan gods. And I'm just like, man, it's true though. Paganism dies fucking hard. <laughs> it really does. Like the Catholic Church, like never got rid of it. You know that saints are basically God. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you have angels, archangels. You have different forms of demons. Like there's just, you know, even a so-called monotheistic religion such as like Christian Christianity still borrows so heavily from like European paganism. That's why like Muslims consider Christians like polytheistic. Huh. We just have so much in our in the, you know, the bio, what we consider, especially Catholics, with the saints, the angels, the demons, right? And the, you know, even even God itself, you know, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Like to a to a Muslim, that just smacks of polytheism. So, yeah, just you know, cool. <laughs> but these following two, these are uh, these were the, the there's two coming up here. Um, actually, there's. Is there two? No, there's three. There's three. I like these. Uh, but they're 17th century alehouse songs. I got them from the appendix.net, but they're basically from... They're just surviving 17th century songs that would have been sung in English taverns. Um, and they're... And, you know, it's a little closer to the modern period. Um, I'm sure songs before this were just as dirty, but you can kind of... These are getting kind of bawdy. Don't sound too nerdy using that word. <laughs> there's so many extra E's in here. Yes, there are. Remember that one we fucking read? It was like the, uh, it was like the it, frontiersman. Yeah, it was the account of that kid falling off the wagon and his head getting caught in the spokes and crushed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good damn some bitch. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Uh, <clears throat> Room for a lusty, lively lad, dearie, dearie down, that will shoo himself blithe, be he ne'er so sad, dearie, dearie down. That cries a fig for poverty and ends troubles patiently, will spend what he gets and drink more than he eats, that never means to vary. From good fellowship free, if thou such a one be, let drink to thee, kind Harry. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Is this part of the same song here, this next part? 
Uh, hold on. No, these. This is a. Uh, set, th- okay. Sec- it's a second. This is a like a condensed version of another song, and then there's a third song after that. Okay. Let me hear you read one. <laughs> I can't do an accent. Oh, you can try, and it'll be hilarious. <laughs> uh, okay. Be merry, my hearts, and call for your courts, and let no liquor be lacking. We have gold in store, we purpose to roar, until we set care a-packing. Then hostess make haste, and let no time waste, let every man have his due. To save shoes and treble, bring in pots double, for that made one, made two. Then hostess go fetch us some, for till do you come. We are all joys bereaven, you know what I mean, make haste, come again. For he that made ten, made eleven. Man, they from fucking rhyme back then. Yeah. It's been an awful rap battle. <laughs> Then hostess lets know the sum that we owe, twelve pence there is for certain. Then fill together pot, and here's money for it, for he that made twelve made thirteen. Yay! <laughs> sure. I'll let you read the last <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, you st- it started off good, but then by the end of it, you sounded like the, uh, yeah, like you, you sounded like you were one of the two wild and crazy guys. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, the only one I can do in any, like, what I consider all like okay is Russian, but I like have to like get going with it. I can't just like pull it out of midair. <laughs> I should do it in the pirate. That'd be kind of funny. I think it would. Yar, there's many men get star of treasure, yet they live like very slaves. In this world, they have no pleasure. The more they have, the more they crave. Hang such greedy-minded misers that will ne'er contented be. That actually works pretty well for a pirate. That does, and that is uh, because a, of the treasure a, and hanging and stuff. That's a very Marxist 17th century English alehouse song. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, honestly, that's pretty much it for the music. Like, I, you know, I didn't really go into, like, early America because I think we're just un- familiar enough with it through, like, pop culture, you know, just school that we know. Um, but just that the history of it and just the sheer variety. And like I said, a lot of this it will be in the sources just so people can view the instruments, listen to some examples. All right, cool. Well, that's music. I know more now about odd instruments than I've ever known before in my life. <laughs> well, there were a lot of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, we are back. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and consider this like season two. Okay. Uh, like, because it's not unusual for podcasts to take like a month or two break at the beginning of the year. So Yeah, it's just, you know, like I said, it was just hard for us to get together yeah. uh, with, uh, you know, I had a bunch of different things planned uh, for the holidays and then coming back, we had, uh, I don't know, I had a few birthday things to go to, uh, you know, and uh, with the shutdown has been uh, difficult on I've Lincoln's been, schedule. I've been laid so. low by crippling depression because of the shutdown. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, um, but yeah, but, we are back in full swing, and next episode is number thirty. So we're gonna have to do something special, sex stuff, yeah, uh, sex or gore. Yeah, that's what we're best at. Man, or poop, be, poop. Yeah, poop's always a good. Sex, one. gore, and poop. That's what our podcast should be called. Poop sex. Yeah, uh, this might be the first one that like didn't really have any of, them other than like the uh, some of the dirty songs. Oh, that's true. They weren't even that dirty. No. When we're talking about dirty uh, songs in the background, put real low that my neck, my back song. <laughs> I should. Um, but, uh, yeah, so just, uh, you know, visit us on our website, everythingsjustfine.com. Uh, keep listening to us on Google Play and iTunes and SoundCloud and Player FM. And I got to stop being a piece of shit and get us on Spotify. My sister's been bothering me about it now. And I'm like, yeah, any day now. And then I just go to sleep. But, uh, yeah, we'll be on there. 
Um, follow us at uh, Everything's JF on Twitter. Follow me at EJF Mike and follow Lincoln at EJF Lincoln. Yep, I've tried to. I originally started that just for podcast stuff, and it slowly transitioned into a uh, fucking. You can watch my sanity slip in real time if you're interested. <laughs> you can watch him uh, shout horrible, horrible things at politicians. Yes. <laughs> I still, my favorite, though, that I've said to any politician is calling Rob Portman a, a bowl of plain oatmeal. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, yeah, we should be back next week. Um, Hopefully in and, person, uh, not snowed in. Right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, just remember, next time you hear, sh- like, Nickelback on the radio and you're like, God damn it, music is the worst now <laughs> than, yeah. it's ever, than it's ever been. You just... Remember that you're not linking, uh, listening to the all Gregorian chants channel. Oh yeah, the the thousand years of Latin music or Gregorian chanting. That's all you right. had for like a or, thousand or fucking you're just, years. You know, your neighbor just beating a deer skin with a bare bone just repeatedly. Yeah, and then you just tell yourself everything's gonna be just fine. We will see you next week, hopefully, probably, maybe. Yep. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs>